raising two million USD, and this is our seed. This is okay. we're now saying, okay, we've gone through all of the sort of depths of despair, and now we'll we'll be a more straight up sort of ed tech company with external investors. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Lindy Litahowski. Now, she was a former English teacher and then English professor in Canada before becoming an EdTech CEO for academic writing software platform, EssayJack. She's won numerous awards for her teaching, research, and publications and is now an award-winning entrepreneur. She's published both peer-reviewed scholarship and popular pieces on writing and offers keynote addresses on webinars related to EdTech, leadership, and academic writing. Dr. Lindy, you ready to take us to the top? I sure am, Nathan. Let's get going. <laughs> All right. So like, my first question with a tool like this, essay Jack Cummins, is who are you selling to? Because if you're selling to students, you got to figure they don't have much money. Yeah. So that's a really great question. And there are two answers to it. So one, uh, depends what student you're thinking about. So typically, if you're thinking about the North American students straight up, uh, you, you do have to have a certain kind of price sensitivity, absolutely, particularly at college and university level. If you're thinking about other regions in the world, so particularly, let's look at Asia, uh, where um, English language learning is huge. Uh, parents have a different attitude towards the investment in their child's education. So while there's still certainly a price sensitivity, the expectation that supplementary educational tools will be part and parcel of their child's education is a little bit more standardized than we typically see in a North American context. So yes, you got to sell to students and watch the price. Depends on where you're selling in the world. And then of course, we also sell institutionally. So what, what do you sell for? What's the average customer paying per month? Yeah, so if it's just a student straight up, they're paying $9.99 a month or they're paying $99.99 a year. Uh, if it's a bulk license at a school, obviously uh, you have lower pricing on a per seat basis, depending on what that institutional license looks like. When you look at just last month's revenue, what percent came from bulk deals where it was like a school credit card paying you, right, or an accounting department versus a direct consumer sale? 
Yeah. So if we're looking, so interestingly, like COVID is just weird. So, uh, <laughs> so the trends, so the trends that we're seeing this year are not always the same as we see uh, in in previous years. So this year, it's a little bit more of a 50-50 split between our B to C or the direct to consumer and B to B, which is the institution. Uh, but in previous years, it's been more of like a 90-10 between institutions being the 90% and oh, wow. 10% being individuals. But right now, uh, what we're seeing at least is that uh, institutional budgets are still there's still a lot of uh, questions in terms of the investment into software. So some institutions have absolute discretionary budgets and they're like, yes, oh my God, we need help with teaching academic writing, particularly online where you don't have that face-to-face modeling of what's going on with with teaching in the classroom. Um, And then some institutions are like, we don't even know what enrollment is going to be like and we're letting faculty go. So our budgets in terms of software look different. So we're, we're really being uh, flexible this year to try to be like, look, we just want to help people uh, in the middle of a global pandemic. I mean, education opens doors for you. And that's really sort of our aim and objective. And then, and then the money stuff will sort itself out is, is what we often like to say. And Dr. Lindy, when did you launch the company? So we launched it as a, as a beta product at the end of 2015. So into 2016, we really launched it uh, as a full um, business at the start of 2019. Mm-hmm. The obvious question there is then going to be, you've got real expenses personally. How are you paying your bills yeah. while you're building beta between 2015 and 2019? Yeah. So, so we did a huge shareholder loan to get us started. And then we raised 500,000 Canadian from friends and family. So that's about 350,000 USD at the time. And that was, so once we start, we paid out of pocket first to get a thing out there and just be like, oh my God, we're academics. Does anybody even want this thing we've created? And it was a very shaky beta product and we got it out there. And then the traction and the demand was more than we could handle. And so we thought, oh, okay, there's there's something here. We need to raise money. We need to actually build a stable platform. We need to, I don't know, hire some tech people. So it's not uh, me answering help requests and, and sort of figuring out what to do from a technical level. I mean, I'm an English PhD. What do I know about, about code? So, so when, when that, did you raise that 350, 2019? Yeah, so that was, that was uh, 2017, 2018. Okay, got it. 2018. And, and talk yeah. to me about shareholder loans. So I assume that was like you and your co-founders. How much was that loan yeah. for? Yeah. So right now we're looking at it. It's about a million USD. It has gone in to get us up and off the ground. So the total uh, share, the total equity in the company to get us from sort of, hey, this is an idea, let's get going. It's about 1.5 million USD. But Dr. Lin, I'm curious how you structured this because you used the word shareholder loan. So it's it's being paid back, correct? Or do they actually have equity? Um, so we, ha- we have equity in the company as the founders as well. Right now, it's Right, just structured as a straight up shareholder loan. Once we do an external raise, we may convert that loan into equity. Oh, our I principal, see. Yeah. So our, our principal focus at the start was look, we've invented an entire new category of product. We don't actually know if it's going to work, uh, but we believe in it so much that we're going to put our money where our mouth is uh, and really see where this takes us as opposed to the more typical startup approach, which is, I'm going to spend somebody else's money, uh, but then you're also driving uh, somebody else's ship with with various other co-pilots. Uh, and our focus was, well, we actually know the education business, and so we need to be able to respond in real time to unexpected things along the way as we figure out 
this business and this product and and you know we're we're not 20 so we said you know what let's let's put some real dollars into this and see where it takes us and what interest rate did you put on that loan if any None. None. Right now, it's a. Got it's it. Just sits there. Sits there as a loan on the. So, so it's literally you it. and your co-founders, or you, how many co-founders? Two. Uh, no, just there's two of us in total. total. So myself and one other co-founder. So you two together put in one million into the business yeah. of your own capital, structured as a loan, yeah. so you can get it paid back out at a future date if this thing works, yeah. and then you raise yeah. three fifty officially in early 2018 from equity investors. Right. Right. I see. Okay, very cool. Okay, let's jump back into the business. By um, very cool, do you mean very terrifying? <laughs> well, it, well, tell me about that. What was terrifying for you? Yeah, I mean, well, it really is. Uh, I mean, we had the, the long, hard conversations about the two paths we could take. And as I say, it was the one path was get uh, investment in early um, and, and give up a, a larger stake in the company um, or the second is take on a huge amount of, of personal risk. And, and again, you know, the risk is that that million dollars we've put in never gets paid back that, 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 you know, this fantastic idea that we're seeing making a difference in people's lives um, fails. That's always a possibility. Um, and you have to kind of get okay with that. And, and, and that's tough. Yep. No, it's tough. It's part of the slog, but you know, if it works, it works big for you guys and you still have total control. So let's talk about growth, right? So, so today, how many students do you have actively using the platform on a monthly basis? So over 30,000 students on a monthly basis are our active users. Okay. That's incredible. And how many of them have you converted to paid? Uh, probably now oh, I, should, I should have looked at my data just before coming. A on. range is fine. I, yeah. 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 I would say that's probably about maybe 50% of those are, are paying users. And then wow. uh, some of those are, um, say in an educational institution. So they might be on a free pilot now, but they're sort of in a sales funnel. And, and our, our hope is that we'll, we'll move them forward and close that as an institutional sale. How many consumers do our students directly pay you? So not through a school's bundled package? Yeah. So that's where right now it's, it's quite small. So our monthly uh, individual subscriber is, I think, around a thousand-ish. So okay. that's and that's what we've really just been launching, you know, in response to COVID to give people that flexibility to say, hey, don't don't wait for your teachers or your institutions. But, you know, you can also make sure that you're prepared for college and university uh, with software that that can help you, even if there are, are gaps in what's happening in terms of face to face or what's happening in terms of um, sometimes students just find it hard to learn by Zoom if that's all they're getting. And so mm-hmm. we're finding that uh, that they're turning to us as a trusted resource. No, I love that. Now, can I take a thousand paying you directly times sort of that 999 price point? You're doing about 10 grand a month direct to consumer, which you said is 50% and another 10 grand a month in the bulk deals. So 20 grand a that, month total. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds about right. That's great. Okay. So yeah. this is not easy. I mean, getting your first 10 grand, <laughs> 20 grand a month in sales is not easy. A thousand individual yeah. customers is not easy. How'd you get the first hundred? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we, we basically, uh, beg, board and sealed. No, um, <laughs> we, we ultimately we counted and we still count on word of mouth. So we have essentially a kind of nothing marketing budget. Um, and so it's myself and one other person and we're out there sort of slogging content is essentially the key is what we've realized is that 
really having a, a content strategy that says like, look, so we've got this software that adds real value if you have to write in English. Uh, but we've also got eBooks and blogs and video resources. Um, and uh, I'll do webinars, things like that. So that it's, uh, we've got an ecosystem of people who are connected with us, whether those are students or parents or educators, where our aim is really to add value. I mean, I could have spent my life teaching English at university. I had a tenure track job. That's the kind of job for life. So I could have done that. And I said, well, actually, if we take this gamble and develop software, that's far more scalable. I can take the things that I was fortunate enough to learn and master as a scholar and teacher myself, and I can digitize it. And then it levels the playing field so that if somebody happens to not have the good fortune of, say, being in Dr. Lindy's class, uh, they can still access the skills and the tools and the tricks of the trade that I'm able to make available for them. And so that's a, a roundabout answer to say uh, content and providing really valuable content is the way that we, we got those first hundred individual customers. But that's also the way that we've been able to get into schools, colleges, and universities I'd love to as get well. A, I'd love to get a specific there so people can like really feel like they, they know you. So like the first 10 customers or like the first piece of content you wrote, what was the yeah. title? Yeah. So the so in terms of the very first customers, um, what often I would do would be I'd go and do a. This was you know this was pre pandemic. I would do a free web or a free in person um, workshop on writing. So it would be touted as a writing workshop. I'd show up at a university. Who's marketing and it? I would just, the university's marketing uh, it. Uh, yeah, so the university would market it. So the department, whatever department it would be, social sciences uh, or English department or a writing center. And I would essentially, and that would be a thing that I would offer them, which is here are the principles of good writing. Here's how you structure academic writing. This is what people are looking for. And then from that, we'd have, uh, at that point, we'd have sort of 65% of the people who are in that workshop sign up. Uh, for an essay jack trial immediately. And what we still find, so now in this sort of more digital uh, context, I'll still, I'll say, partner with an organization. So I did a webinar this summer with Pro Writing Aid, which is an online sort of text editing software. And I did a webinar with them on the principles of academic writing, particularly for graduate students. So I was like, how do you write a thesis? How do you write um, a master's thesis, what are the component parts? So what do you put in a lit review? What do you say in a methodology section? So those are things that for that particular audience, you know, if you're a master's student, you've just graduated from your BA, you don't know what to do in life, you enroll in a master's program, and now you have to write a thesis. Nobody's ever trained you and you kind of have to learn along the way. So if I can demystify that and do that in a webinar, and then people are like, oh, okay, let's check out the software. Um, that's sort of a, a real-time use case um, very recently. And Dr. Lindy, talk to me about the team you've, that you've used to build this. How many people on the team today? Yeah. So right now, it's myself and, and uh, five other people. So there's six of us. Okay. Uh, so we've got a, a product owner. And so he kind of straddles the line between the tech uh, and and the business side. There's one girl who helps me with the marketing client support, everything that's non-tech. And of course, we also show up to all of our tech meetings. And then we have three full-time dedicated developers. Oh, okay. Yeah, three, three developers. That's great. And any quota carrying sales reps or no, you're doing all the sales? So right now I'm doing all the sales. We're in the middle of our very first external fundraise. And the number one person I want to hire is somebody to do sales. Because to be honest, it's really time consuming. And I'm doing 
six people's jobs with sales only being one of that. And that's really hard because ultimately we know that to be successful in sales, you have to develop relationships with people. Uh, in order to close those deals, they really do need to feel as though you've heard their needs and you're able to provide something that answers their needs. And I truly believe that. But sometimes it's hard when I'm like talking to investors and I'm talking to tech and I'm building out blogs and I'm doing webinars to also call up and be like, hey, so uh, you have all the hats ready on. to close that you're, deal. You're rocking all the hats. I love that. Yeah. You, you mentioned you're raising now. How much are you looking to raise? Yeah. We're raising $2 million USD and this is our seed. This is, okay. we're now saying, okay, we've gone through all of the sort of depths of despair and now we'll, we'll be a more straight up sort of ed tech company with external investors uh, and we have fewer questions about what that path and that direction forward is going to look like uh, than we had when we raised our friends and family round. And what valuation are you hoping to raise the two million on? Obviously, you got to negotiate it. What's your hope? Yeah, so it'll. To be honest, it'll probably be in the ballpark of of around an eight million USD. You know, give yep. or take pre pre money or post. Uh, probably pre-money. Pre, yeah. so eight post. If you, if you can lock yeah. that in, that's great. Yeah. So and you will do that a price drawn. That won't be an eight million cap on a safe or something. No, no. Yeah, okay. And how much of that would you use some of that 2 million to pay back the owner loans of a million? Uh, not at this point, no. No, okay. the the expectation in terms of payback of that shareholder loan is like at an at an exit. So yeah. the intention is to fuel growth, not I mean as much as I'd like to line my pockets, I'm <laughs> I'm able to be patient and line those pockets later to see like my vision is that nobody should have to stare at a blank page when they have something to write. Now we're starting in the education space to help students who have um, academic writing and that blank page that stares at them. But realistically, in you know, at the end of the day, nobody should have to stare at that blank page. And yeah. so whether that's business writing or corporate writing or government writing or academic writing, which is the field that I know, and I'm willing to uh, keep my pockets emptier than I would like them to be in order to see that real vision fulfilled. That's something that I would like to have as a as my contribution to the world at large when my life is over. Are students sticking? What's churn rate look like? Yeah. So it's still kind of early days in terms of um, the individual subscribers as opposed to the bulk licenses where they might buy it for a grade and the expectation is that it's available for that particular program or that particular grade and then you roll new students in in the subsequent year. So with respect to the individual subscribers, typically we're seeing sort of a year or two ends up being the kind of duration of, of how long they stick. Uh, with SA Jack. And again, that's dependent upon what program they're in and, and what they what they need it for, what they what they want it for, uh, and how we can help them. Yep. Yep. So that if you're one or two years, you're talking then somewhere between like 50 and 100% annual churn rate on those student subscribers then. Yeah. It, it's, it's about 50% right now. But as I say, it's like we it's really early. started rolling out. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's early Did days. Did you spend and, any money on ads last month? Uh, no. Okay, cool. So no no paid ads. I mean, so if I asked you what your CAC is, you wouldn't have an answer because it's really sweat equity. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I can give you a, a customer acquisition cost that takes into account my time and the time of, of another person, sure, but it's not going to be it's not going to be a sort of accurate... Um, you know, ad spend direct. If I spend this dollar, yep. um, this this. So it, in some ways, it's 
it's a it's an academic conversation. <laughs> yeah. You're figuring you're figuring it all out. This is what you gotta yeah. go through. Very cool. Well, yeah. hey, listen, this has been wonderful. Let's wrap up Dr. Lindy with the famous five. Yeah. Number one, favorite business book. Uh, you know what? My favorite business book is actually a tech book, and it's Don't Make Me Think. And it's it's a really great sort of UI UX book. So I'm cheating a bit. It's not technically business, but I love it. And number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, you know, I so this is a Canadian context. Um a business leader I really like uh, is Arlene Dickinson. Uh, she she runs a fund and she's sort of a successful entrepreneur and is on uh, Canada's Dragon's Den. But I think as a as a woman leader, she's really inspiring. So I, I keep tabs on what she does number, through social media. Number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool? Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Slack, I got to say. And I was pretty excited to see the recent acquisition. But yeah, so Slack. 22 billion bucks. We'll see what happens there. Number yeah. four, how many, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Uh, probably about four. Okay. And what's your situation, Dr. Lindy? Married, single kiddos? I am married. I have no kids, but I am a crazy cat lady. I have a beautiful, <laughs> I have a beautiful little two-year-old uh, kitty cat that we brought back from Asia with us. I love that. And can I ask how old you are? I am 44. Last question. Take us back 24 years. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? Uh, oh my goodness. I think when I was 20, I wish I knew it would all be okay. Guys, there you have it. Dr. Lindy S.A. Jack, her contribution to the world, helping right now academic folks write better academic papers so they never have to start writing looking at a blank page. Currently is doing about $20,000 in monthly recurring revenue, but it's been a long slog. Launched in 2015, her and her partner put in a million dollars into the business as a loan. They raised $350,000 externally. They've grown the business, officially launched in 2019, now growing nicely even during COVID, looking to raise $2 million on an $8 million pre. We're rooting for you, Dr. Lindy. Thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks so much. Bye.